Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Can you hear me now? Yeah, but it sounds weird. Why does it sound weird? What do you mean? Are you talking, your headphones connected or are you talking just into the computer? Or I mean your microphone. My headphones are connected and I'm using my microphone. So I don't know why it would sound weird. Hmm. Not really like echoey, but just that you're far away. Is that better? It sounds the same. Well, I'm not far away. I mean, the microphone is like three inches from my face, so I don't I don't know how to fix that. Okay, well, maybe it's my headphones. Who the hell knows? Yeah, are your headphones on? Yes. All right. <laughs> well, I hope this is going to work. I don't know. It's going to have to work because we're going. All right, good. <laughs> we're doing okay. the thing. We're doing the thing. You must have plans today if we had to record this early. I just said in the morning... Oh, well, I always go to the grocery store on Saturday morning, but I didn't go because of you. Sorry. Yeah, it's all your fault. Damn it. I sound just like my father. Well, this is my evil plan to force you to go on a non-weekend day because you're retired now, so you should go during the week. Why? Nobody did that when I was bitching at the old people in the grocery store. (laughs) Oh, that's why you still go on Saturdays? (laughs) Well, I go really early. Nobody's there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's not like I'm going now because you made me. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the sooner we get this over with, the better, because then I'll be out of the young people's way, apparently, because I've served my usefulness in society and now must be cast aside. Mm -hmm. Where's that ice flow when you need one? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You're the worst daughter ever. And I'm nothing but kind to you. (laughs) I know. It's true. Oh, God. All right. (laughs) I see how it is. Mm -hmm. I still have hope that my granddaughters will love me. Yes, it'll happen. Even if it's um, misplaced belief, I still have it. All right. So are you ready to dive into this? Sure. The only thing I wanted to cover is that we have a release date for our collab episode that we did with Trev on her new podcast. Oh, what is it? I I don't even know that. (laughs) I know it. it. Well, she posted it on her Instagram page that she has for her podcast. So oh, okay. our episode with her is going to air on March 30th. Alrighty. Where can I find that? Can I find that on Spotify or because that's what I use? Yes, you should be able to. But because her podcast hasn't started yet. Yeah, I don't think you'll be able to find it yet. Yeah, I know. But I just mean on March 30th. I'm not that feeble minded that 
Oh. <laughs> I didn't I'm want not- you to like go there to add it now and then be like, well, why can't I find it? I haven't even tried looking for it, so it could be there. I love but- how you're you're so concerned about me that you don't want me wasting my time, but you tell me don't go to the grocery store at a normal time. All right. I'm saying don't go on a Saturday because I would think that the grocery store would be crazy on a Saturday morning. But they stock the food and I am out of the way. Hey, at least I don't go with 12 members of my family and block the entire aisle. I don't understand that. Why do you need to bring your family to go to the grocery store? Just go. This is people at Costco and the samples and it makes me so mad. Well, sure, because people, I can't stand people. I swear to God. I I can't. (laughs) I just can't because they're going to take their whole family to feed so they don't have to serve them breakfast. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Now that we have figured all that out, I guess we can move along. Anything you want to tell me before we get started? No. Okay, the book today is The Alien's Sacrifice, book one in Outcasts of Corinne by Ella Maven. This book is told in dual POV, which is one of my favorites. Do you want me to start? Yeah. Fine. Okay. Chapter one opens up in Tasha's point of view. She is with her friends, Lou, Maisie, Amber, Trix, and Neve, and they're all eating by a fire, relaxing enjoying a meal and playing some sort of game. Um, They are on a planet called Corinne and have been working hard for a few years to survive. We also find out in this chapter that all of the girls have received genetic alterations from the Uldani who kidnapped them from Earth. Tasha's alteration is that she can smell anything in a five mile radius. This sounds like a horrible alteration. I would hate having this. Yes, it would be horrible. Especially when you can't shower because you're on some alien planet. Mm-hmm. So we also find out what a couple of the other girls' alterations are. Amber only needs to sleep once every five days. When she does That'd be finally, awesome. oh yeah, but when she does finally sleep, she's really vulnerable because she basically passes out and goes into a coma. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Lou has visions of the future and some of these episodes that are kind of like seizures. And it's said that Lou's predictions after her episodes were never wrong. If she said we needed to leave, then we needed to leave. Mm-hmm. Because on top of the women being there, tricks reported seeing an alien patrolling with blue skin and dark hair and a massive scarred build. So there are aliens on this planet that they are hiding from. Yeah, I don't think they're hiding from the Uldani, right? But they're hiding from whatever other animals and aliens live on this planet. I think they're hiding from everyone. True. Yeah, that's probably a better way to say it. Yeah, because the Uldani were the ones that kidnapped them. They kidnapped them, did these alterations, and then cast them aside? Yeah, it says they made us like this and then tossed us out like trash. Yeah, I, we, maybe we'll get more on that in the future books as to why they went through all this effort to modify them and then didn't keep them. Mm-hmm. Lou had that prediction that they need to leave, but it's nighttime. Amber is coming up on her fifth day, so she needs to sleep. And Lou needs to recover from this episode she had to get the prediction. So Tasha, as the makeshift leader, she mm-hmm. suggests that they rest for the night and just leave very early in the morning. They aren't asleep for very long before their camp gets invaded and they are all abducted by aliens and separated. This is horrible. Very scary. So mm-hmm. 
Tasha gets thrown into a cell and she asks a nearby prisoner what's going on. And this prisoner tells her, Wu Tarks, who believe in an old god, he demands live sacrifices. So and these people are described as disgusting. Long tusks emerge from the top of their jaw to curl under warty chins. It's gross. Ugh, it is gross. And they're dripping mucus from their nose or their face. It's disgusting. It is really gross. But I appreciated that she's already on the planet. I feel like yeah. a lot of times in these alien romances, there is the girl and she's on the ship and you're with the bad aliens. And sure, it's kind of like that because now she's captured and she's supposed to be a live sacrifice. But she's already on the planet and she's already been there for a while. So it was a little different. And I liked that. Yeah, I did too. So then we get the next chapter. And this is told from the perspective of Lou Kent. He is at a meeting in the Wu-Tark camp to discuss the boundaries in Corinne. He thinks we get a lot of backstory about him and his people because of what he's thinking while he's waiting for this meeting to be over. He thinks... Corinne had once been our home over a hundred cycles ago before a virus wiped out our female population. The male Drixonian warriors still alive, including me, left Corinne by choice, but had been unable to return until recently. Why is the female population always wiped out by a virus? I think some authors should jump on the hook and write a book about all the male population being wiped out. That would be new and different. I think because in these books, usually it's the male as the alien and the woman as the human. And so that's why you have to get all these women to be there. But yeah, it would be kind of nice to have all the women be the aliens and let them have some sort of fancy peen situation. Yeah. And, <laughs> and again, I have to say, why do the women have to be female? Or you mean Is human? It, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm reading and talking at the same time. It's always a bad thing to do. But yeah, why do they have to be human? Is it to attract us as readers? Because Pro we're human? Probably, yeah. So that we can relate to the characters? I don't know. Possibly. But, you know, there's that's another niche that someone should dive into. Mm -hmm. Make them at least half human then. And use your imagination to um, listen to me. Like, I know what I'm doing. I'm not a writer. But um, <laughs> use your imagination and make the women half alien, too, or something. Mix it yeah. up a little bit, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean... Some authors do that, but not with every book in their series. Like Allison Ames, who did that Ruthless... God, I can't remember the name of the series. We covered book one for the podcast. And then I think it was the second book in that series where the female was also an alien and not a human. And then mm -hmm. Ruby has done that before too, but not for every book in her series. Right. And that's fine. At least she mixes it up. But go ahead. So while he's standing around listening to these discussions, he thinks about their motto, which is she is all. And he also thinks even though we knew as the outcast Drexel Clavis that we'd never have a chance at a mate, we had to protect our brothers who were fortunate enough to have mates. Yeah, this was all sad mm -hmm. to me. Uh, they, is this when they go into to why or is that later yes he talks about why now and he talks about his friends yeah so his friends make up this group and the reason they are not allowed to have mates is because females are so 
precious and few to come by and the the males that aren't allowed to have meat are not allowed because their fathers that were deserters or government considered traitors so even though it was the fathers that committed this atrocity in the government's opinion it's the sons that are punished and on top of not being allowed to have a mate they're also branded in the back of their neck. So mm. it's easily recognized. They're treated so badly that when the Draxanis, whose fathers, you know, were fighting in the war and didn't desert, when they need people to spar with in their training, these poor bastards are thrown in with them, given no training, and have to learn on their own how to fight and be a you know, protect themselves. And they accept this, you know, with no questions asked. And I'm like, this is not, this is so unfair. Yeah, it really is. Him and his friends are considered the sons of deserters. And he thinks our blood was tainted. Yeah. And the, and they don't want them passing that tainted blood on to children. Yeah. So they're talking to these woo chart mm -hmm. about the boundaries and what is now considered their land, what they're not allowed to do. The tainted Drixanis are part of a border patrol. Boundary conversation goes pretty well and they end up leaving. But as they're leaving, Lou Kent has this eerie feeling about the camp. He feels like something is off, but he can't really figure out what it is. And then later that night, he's sitting at his own camp and he hears a human screaming off in the distance. Yeah. And that sound is coming from the Wu Tark camp. Yeah, and they're not supposed to interfere with the Wu Tarks, but the Wu Tarks aren't supposed to be performing live sacrifices either. Yeah, and I think because their motto is she is all, he's willing to risk it. And he he knows the sound of a human scream, I guess, because he's met humans before. Yes, and the she is all, I think we hear more than once through this book. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's a couple times. Yeah. So of course, the human screaming is Tasha because the Wutarks are trying to throw her off that sacrificial cliff. Oh my god. Yeah. Lou Kent rescues her from the Wutarks, but she of course is still afraid of him. Apparently, she has a translator implant in her ear, but she still can't understand what the alien is saying. Because it needs to be updated. So she thinks he's a bad guy too. So they start off together not being able to really communicate. And they do hide in this small, like, cave area, and she does fall asleep. And, and they, they describe him in this chapter. Okay. He has, he has five fingers. He has bright, two bright violet eye, eyes, which I, I like. And he's blue. And he's got a tail. I'm sorry, the only person allowed to have violet eyes is Rissand. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't think of that, but you're right. Oh my God. Yeah. So they wake up the next morning. Uh, she basically tells him thanks for the rescue, but I'm going to go my own way now. She tries to leave, but he stops her. Well, also, she doesn't know he can understand her. Mm hmm. She doesn't know that. So, you know, she's just talking to him going, have a good day. It's pretty funny, actually. It gives a little bit of comic yeah. relief. And I also liked that in this book, it's titled The Alien's Sacrifice, but he's not actually the one that was going to sacrifice her. He's actually the rescuer. So yeah. I really like that because at first I was like, oh, man, is she going to get some sort of what's that Stockholm syndrome? <laughs> and fall in love with her captor but no she no. falls in love with this other guy 
Yeah, because the, the, the captor's too gross. And he's thinking to himself, what was this human thinking? She has no idea where she was. How do I make her see that she had to stay with me because she didn't understand him? Yeah, but he understands her. And it was so funny because... <laughs> He thinks in this chapter, most of all, I needed a flecking implant updater so I could download our language to her implant. My implant had been up, had been downloaded with the earth languages long ago so I could understand everything she said. So then at this point on, whenever she spoke to him, I just giggled because I'm like, how embarrassing. I know. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> it's very embarrassing. Yeah. So of course he tries to put her his hand over her mouth to get her to be quiet and she bites him in the hand. He yells at her to stop. You know, he's trying to explain to her, I'll take you where there are more humans, you'll be safe. Yeah, and he's getting frustrated because he can't communicate with her because mm -hmm. he understand her but she can't understand him so he's getting frustrated at the situation but she takes it as he's getting frustrated with her and so she does run off or she tries to run off and then this chapter actually had started as his pov and then it switches to her so there are mm -hmm. some chapters that have both of their perspectives in it this is one of them and when it switches to her point of view she's super pissed off because he took like a strip of his cloth or something and tied them together hand to hand yeah and she thinks this fucker he tied us together <laughs> He has to so get creative. Pissed. He doesn't know how to tell her not to run off. So he's just got to force her to stick with him. Yeah. And she is freaking out about her friends. And he does. She can't explain to him that she needs to find her friends. She says, I have no choice but to stand with him. He was like some sort of blue alien Viking. And the <laughs> scars. This alien had seen battle. And then she smells a scent. This cracks me up where she hears hoofs. Stomping. Oh, is this where they talk about the elephant rhino thing? Yes. Oh yeah. I uh I skipped that part. Not oh, okay. Not in reading, but in my notes. Okay. Yeah, because uh just to sum it up real quick, because they do save them later. They they come across a baby that's fallen into by a river and the baby can't climb up the side to get back to its mom. And the other animals can't get down to get it and so he's going he knows that these are intelligent animals and he's going to help it and she's freaking out thinking he's going to kill it she's like don't kill it you bastard do not kill it i'll go hungry before i eat that thing i'll go on a hunger strike and he's yeah like, so she's the complaining the whole time <laughs> yes you can't make me and if you force it down my throat i'll throw up on you i swear to god don't test me asshole and he's thinking shit this woman is insane he ends up picking up the baby and giving it back to the herd and the alpha of the herd is that very old female that ends up having like a connection with him and a thank you to him and she's like oh i guess he wasn't gonna hurt that baby yeah so the little things happen like this throughout their travels where she's getting to see the nice side of him mm -hmm. even though she can't talk to him but there, there's also something that happens when this interaction is happening is he's looking at her and suddenly you know she squints her eyes she tilts her head back um and she puts uh, fingers to press on her nose and then he smells it and then he saw it the red blood is dripping from her nose part of the side effect of them doing all this alteration on her when she was captive is she gets these nosebleeds every one of these women that was altered 
has some kind of after effect. The nosebleed leaves her feeling nauseous and dizzy and like she has vertigo. And as soon as he sees that, he freaks out. It says his nostrils flared, the muscles on his shoulder bulge, and then he snatched me off the ground and he ran like a bat out of hell. And he takes her to some hut where there are supplies stashed. It kind of reminded me of Ruby Dixon's Hunter's Cave. Yes. Yeah, there's a, a lot that happens in this book that I'm like, why does he have to be blue? Why does he have to make that rumbling noise? Because he's making a sound that reminded him of her of verbal verbalized purring. And she realized he's trying to calm her. And then she's even more surprised because it worked. Yes, I highlighted that part too, because I liked how he did this purring thing for her. Yeah, he's so freaked out that she's bleeding. And she ends up talking, she's always talking to him and she doesn't know that he understands her. She goes, I'm okay now. I get nosebleeds every once in a while. But he, you know, lays her down on furs, another crossover to me, starts feeding her berries and nuts. I didn't pick up on all the crossovers that you did, but I could see that. You've also read way more Ruby Dixon oh my books God. than I yeah. have. Yes, and I'm reading one right now. So I've read okay. every, almost everything of hers. She finally says to him, can you understand me? And he like freezes because he's like, oh, the jig's up. And he's like, she's all, what's your name? And he tries to say his name. And it comes out, oh, Kent. So she's like, I'm Tricia. Have you met humans before? Maybe She's thinking maybe they're their friends. Will you take me there? And she's like, you're not so bad, are you? And she thinks his name is Kent. And she, I thought that was pretty funny. She calls him Kent in their conversations for quite a while. That was my other note, that they trade names but poorly. So she calls him Kent instead of Lou Kent. Mm-hmm. So we also find out that he's a male virgin. Of course. And he thinks, as Drixonian warriors, our libidos died when our females were all killed in a swiftly spreading virus. While most warriors were still given education about mating from the elder males who survived the virus, I was not included in those lessons. Mm. My knowledge was mostly gleaned from what I overheard from the privileged Drixonians. Oh my gosh. Okay, so he's got a very rough understanding of how mating works. And of course, the next morning, he's got morning wood, which is a little (laughs) awkward. They do more traveling. At some point, she smells the camp that she had with the girls, and they stop there, but everything in there is destroyed. You know, it's all overwhelming for her, and she starts to cry, and then she just starts sobbing and then she realizes that he's making that sound again there's rumbling in his chest a lot of this beginning of this book is just them traveling trying to get back to his clan so they travel some more they get to a stream he tries to do some fishing but her dumbass ventures off because she sees some flowers that look interesting and she almost gets attacked by these flowers that are basically gigantic venus fly traps there's fruit on them so when kent sees her he freaks out because he knows what these flowers are and he jumps in front of her there's like mucus everything is mucus disgusting on this planet hanging off of this these flowers and then all of a sudden she sees there's rows of white spikes kind of reminded me of little shop of horrors that plant (laughs) yes that's exactly what i thought feed me seymour Yeah, so the thing like takes a big bite into him. So of course he gets ill and she has to nurse him back to health. But is this the first time we see him transform and these black spikes come out of 
not only his forearms, but along the top of his head and down his back to the base of his tail. I don't think so, but I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, he ends up knocking her out of the way and takes the brunt of these poisonous things. It sounded horrible. Yes. And it, like, fucks him up instantly because he ends up basically passing out. She's got to drag him to the stream and try to fix him up. But... This is one of the best um, nursing scenes I think I've read in a very long time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, they, you know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they fall asleep and he has his head in her lap. So she wakes up, but he doesn't. And he's basically going down on her because he's dreaming. And so in his dream, he's thinking that he's doing this to her in a dream, but he's actually doing this to her in real life. Turns out he's got three piercings in his long tongue. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. So she thinks, at first she thinks like, I should I should wake him up. Like, this isn't good. But then yeah. what she actually does is, I didn't do a damn thing. Not as one clawed finger pulled the gusset of my panties aside and that long tongue lapped one long lip up my wet pussy. Instead, I braced my hands behind me and spread my legs further because I'd been through hell and back and this felt good. So damn good. <laughs> I was like, get it, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I've been deprived. I've been kidnapped. I've been altered. I think I deserve a little oral sex and this feels good. Yes. So, but of course he wakes up and he's mortified that he did that to her. Um, She liked it, but he was embarrassed. And so there's a little bit of tension between them. Luke Kent actually had this thing called a hover bike. So they finally fucking reach his hover bike and ride that instead of walk. And they are able to reach the Lone Howl camp, which is basically his little clan of misfits. And she's afraid that all these other people that are there are going to hurt them. But it turns out that they are Luke Kent's friends. Yes. And it's here that she is able to get an update on her ear implant. So now she's able to understand everybody. But the first thing they do is separate her from him and she starts to freak out. Yeah, she doesn't want him out of her sight. Yeah, she she understands. She hears his friend while she's freaking out go a little dramatic, don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) But she's got a good point. She's like, he's the only person I trust. I don't want to be without him. Yeah, she doesn't know what these things are going to do to her. And then it's here that she learns that there are other humans, but they're not at the Lone Howl camp. They're at this main city called Granite. This is when she realizes that the humans that are there are not actually her friends. It's actually really sad. It is very sad. Yeah, the humans that are at the main city are mates of some other warriors and have been there for a couple of years. So she's upset, but the main clan leader is at that main city and so they're like if we go to the big city of granite you can talk to this guy named daz tell him about your friends the other people you were with and he can be the one to organize a search party he has more resources all those things yeah but she also has a conversation with the leader of his little group the subgroup says you know why are you separating me from kent 
and the leader's eyes look at Kent with a ferocity that nearly makes her wet her pants. <laughs> and he says to him, what did you do? And she explains, I feel safe with him. I prefer to stay by his side. He starts to say, well, my other warriors, and she cuts him off and says, respectfully, your other warriors are not Kent, who saved my life twice now. I trust him. And I'm sorry, but I only trust him. He's proven himself and no one else has. And the leader is furious and she ends it by going, sir. And the leader goes, did she just cuss me out? Did she just curse at me? <laughs> that was funny. And, yeah. And she's like, no, it's a, it's a term for someone in a superior position. It's a sign of respect. I didn't really like this guy. His name's Kutzel because he was a total yes. dick to her and wants to separate them. But I also mm -hmm. understood his point of view where them as the sons of these deserters, they're not allowed to have mates. And so he doesn't want Lou Kent to get attached to her because they're not going to be allowed to to be together in the long run so he's like she is destined for somebody else or for nobody who knows yeah, but regardless scary. she's not ours scary it's like they're gonna take her to the main camp because you know females are only mate with these the real warriors that painted mm -hmm. and Saul and Kent are painted and it's at this point isn't it that he says you don't even know his name <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh my God. It's, uh, she's like, what? And he goes, it's Lou Kent. It's not Kent. And she's kind of like, he'll always be Kent to me. Yeah. So Kutzel decides that Lou Kent is going to go on a hunt and Tasha is going to go to the main city of Granite and she's going to go with a different warrior, Axton. But he doesn't want Lou Kent to say goodbye. And he basically tells Lou Kent, you're going to leave the next morning and she's going to go with him and you're not allowed to speak to her anymore. Yeah, that's really sad. It is sad. And so she gets taken to her own little hut to sleep. But she ends up waking up that night in her own tent and she like ventures out to the fire and she sees Lou Kent sitting there. The center Interaction was so sweet. She says, thank you. And mm -hmm. she says, I hadn't realized all you risked saving me from the Wutarks. And he says, you don't have to thank me. I would have made the decision every time in every life. And then it says, those words weren't a funny quip. He meant them. I peered up at him, but his gaze remained on the fire. And in every life, I'm glad it was you who rescued me. I know. So and that's also when he explains that there's no more Drixani women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have like a good conversation by the fire sort of a good conversation yeah he explains to her they all died of a virus he explains the hierarchy of their society and the untainted ones are able to have mates and have children they're called chits and some of them have human mate. And so he kind of explains to her, you're going to have, you're most likely going to be able to find a Drakani that you wish to take as your mate. And she's like, what? I won't be forced, will I? And he says, no, that women are sacred. And he calls her a warrior. I really like this. He says, you're a warrior to Tasha. Don't ever forget it. Their interactions are really sweet. So she ends up falling asleep with him next to the fire. He had moved her into her own tent at some point. So when she wakes up the next morning, 
and she realizes that Luke Kent is gone, she's really upset, rightfully so. Yeah. This was actually a really long chapter because she starts traveling with that guy, Axton, and after a while, she's able to smell that Kent is nearby. So she runs off, she ditches that other warrior, runs in the direction of Luke Kent, mm -hmm. and confronts him about leaving her. This whole chapter, bookmark this people, chapter 11 was very hot. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She, yes. she questions him. She's pissed, but she's questioning him and stripping. Super hot. And she's, she's throwing rocks at him. Yes, but him she's asshole. also like, why the fuck did you leave me? Like all these things. So she's like yeah. confronting him slash questioning him. And he's all explain the reason for your anger. He does end up going down on her. Then they go to have sex, but hold on a minute he's got more piercings <laughs> um he's got a ring pierced through the tip my note is he might be a virgin but his dirty talk is on point yeah because he tells her you'll take me inside like the warrior you are Whoo! yeah that is that was very hot and um his piercings everywhere aren't the only bells and whistles he has because while they're having sex he thinks my subcock that rested above my cock extended and latched onto that butt of hers that made her moan the loudest she shrieked. I highlighted that too yeah. like what she shrieked when she felt it and combined with the way her walls shuddered and pulsed around my cock, I knew I couldn't hold off much longer. So well, not, not only is it a subcock, but it's a sucking. Yes. It sucks on her clit. I thought, good God. Yeah. And he says to her, I want to hear you scream again, warrior. Mm -hmm. like, Holy crap. Yeah. So they finish having all their sex and they rest. And honestly, I also needed a rest after <laughs> all of these scenes. <laughs> it was pretty good. And so... I've never mated with a female before. I hope I didn't fail in giving you pleasure. I'm not well versed in it. And she's all, you did that by instinct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, oh, my God. And then he tells her that the uh, about their group and says, the lone howl are made up of the sons of Nought. And she's all, the sons of Nought? And all I could think of was the Monty Python, <laughs> the sons of Nought. You know what I mean? I didn't think of that, but okay, yeah, I could see that now. So they continue on their way. Like I said, there's a lot of traveling in this book. They continue on their way to the main city of Granite. They have a couple of fun pit stops on the way. Lord have mercy. Their sex scenes were so good because at mm -hmm. one point they're on the hover bike and it says, oh. placed on my back on the bike seat, Kent rose over me, plunging inside me again, just as that node above his cock I'd assumed was innocuous and latched onto my clit and started its mind-melting suction. Whatever biological reason it had, praise the planet's gods because it was amazing. <laughs> 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 yes, it sounds amazing. Uh, they have a run-in with the Wutarks, but they are saved by that herd of the rhino slash elephant hybrid things that you mentioned earlier, because they're able to hide in that herd and the Wutarks move on. But now they're running against the clock and trying to get to that city before the Wutarks get there. Yeah, I was scared for her. 
because it's like, you know, what, because if the Wu Tarts find out that he helped her escape, it's going to blow up the diplomacy that, and the peace accord that happened between the Wu Tarts and the Jerksani. Plus, they're horrible people. <laughs> yes, I mean, they want to sacrifice yeah. her, yeah. So they're on the run, but they do have some super sweet interactions still. At one point, he thinks... Oh, she thinks, excuse me, I'm not a perfect human mate for their ideal of a perfect Drixonian warrior, but we're perfect for each other. Super mm -hmm. sweet. Yeah, very. Okay. okay. But then they do this weird detour. They go to this tower, shrine area that has magical powers. They make a wish. And it's said that if you make a wish here, that your wishes will come true. It's some sort of like magical birthday cake situation, basically. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then they end up having sex there also. Of course, this detour is losing time for them. And it costs them because shortly after that, they get jumped by the Wu-Tarks. And he tells her to run off. But of course, she doesn't. And she's able to trick. There's like five of them. And she's able to trick like four of the Wu-Tarks out of the five into falling following her into a crop of those evil little shop of horror Venus flytrap plants. Yeah. And the plants take out all of the Wutarks except for one of them, but she was magically unhurt. I don't know what sort of trickery this was. So now her and Lu Kent have to fight the last Wutark and they do and they're successful. And as soon as that last guy is defeated, they get magical matching tattoos. Yeah. And then they leave that situation and they finally make it to the city. This magical matching tattoos are basically soulmate markings but bloodier because well, not, yeah not only sorry I just hit the microphone with my hand not only do they get these matching tattoos tattoos at their wrists but they she starts to get a headache and in her mind she sees silver sand swirling coating everything in a fine dust yeah so they have some kind of mind melt too yeah she gets like impressions of him and then he's like sand and when he says what she's like she's like water mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting and different when they get to the town, when they cross the border and get into the Drixani town, the guard there sees these marks on Kent's wrist and he gives him this weird look. And he's like, what the fluff? Tasha doesn't know what these symbols mean on her wrist, but everybody else does. Well, yeah, and somebody eventually, there's lots of humans there. So she meets all the humans. I think it's one of the human women that tells her that these tattoos are triggered when he kills someone who drew your blood. So sometimes it might be unwanted, although Fatis has hasn't chosen wrong for us yet that's mm -hmm. why i said it's like soulmate markings but bloodier uh, there was a lot of human women and a lot of Drixonians at this town i don't know if the author had a series before this and this is actually a spin-off of those people or not I, I could totally see those other people maybe having their own series oh i wondered that myself yeah i didn't look it up but it's it's possible uh they do go to speak to the leader he eventually agrees to help them <laughs> And Tasha says that she wants to go with him on his explorations to find the other women, basically because she is the makeshift leader of the women and she wants to stay with him. The book basically ends with all the lone wolves, which are Luke Kent and all his friends, are now going to be searching for the missing women. So this is basically how they set up how the rest of the series is going to go. And then the epilogue gets a little more specific on who the next book is going to be about because Atasha 
Kent and like I said, those other lone wolves that go on the hunt for those captured women. At one point in the epilogue, they talk about one of these lone wolves called Vins, and he's the only one that's not currently with them. Yeah. And how he's missing the opportunity to play rescuer. So I instantly knew book two's gotta be this guy. And yeah, I don't- I don't know, but it so, could be. Yeah, she says, so Vince will be upset. And Kent responds, very. He loves yeah. track and would be more than happy to claim loneliness or is it Ionis? I'm not sure, status, and take the fall if he got to rescue a female while doing it. So if you go past the very end of the book, it does have a little info about book two, and book two is about Vins and Amber. Oh, great. Okay. What'd you think? You go first. I really like this book. I was pleasantly surprised at how much I liked it. But I, well, they were, I liked and I didn't like, but I liked their dynamic. I liked how they interacted together. I sure as hell liked their sex. <laughs> it was good. It was super hot. The story was different about these warriors. Um, and I, kind of didn't like the fact that they have horns they're blue they have a tail their women died of a virus i i mean all these things were kind of like too similar for you yeah there's like a whole range of color on the spectrum why do they have to be blue why do they have to have i i like the fact that they're at least their extra dick was different it wasn't just a fur it did it had a function but yeah there were things horns that kind of stuff I didn't like or I wish was different. But all in all, I really like this book. I'd probably give it three and a half star- wet panties. What about you? I really liked it also. I liked that she was already on the planet. I liked the women having their own abilities or um, alters, I should say. That was kind of cool. So they're not just humans. They're humans with some sort of special powers. Mm -hmm. I liked that. I think all of the guys that are going to match up with all of those women are part of the Lone Howls. So they're also kind of misfits and different. I would definitely be interested in reading further books in the series. And I would give it like four to four and a half wet panties. Yeah, I would like to read other books in this series too, because I did, I really enjoyed it. And I thought, thank God, a book that I actually enjoyed. (laughs) Yeah. And it was kind of like a random pick. I don't even know where you found it from. But this was a good find for us, I think. I think it was from remember the day that we downloaded all the other books for free. Oh, that's right. Because you got was it book two that you got? Yes. Book two was there, but not book one. Okay. I said, well, let's start with book one and see what happens. So I'm going to read book two along with everything else I'm reading that's just driving me insane. Okay. Well, let me announce what our next book is and then you can tell me what else you're reading. Do you Um, want to, when you're done with that, do you want to talk a little about our interview? Our interview with Alitu? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Our next book is going to be Wolf of the Sands by, I apologize right now to this author because I'm not going to be able to say your last name correctly. Um, The author is Amy Kuvalainen. I'm just going to spell it K-U-I-V as in Victor, A-L-A-I-N-E-N. Yeah, no wonder you couldn't say it. I, I wouldn't have been able to say it. <laughs> There's no way. So the book is Wolf of the Sands by that author. Amy Kay is just what I'm going to call her. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, right. let's quickly go over our interview with Alatu, and then um, I'm going to have to go soon because I have to pick the kid up in 30 minutes. Okay. So do you want me to talk about it? Yeah, you're more technically versed than I am in this kind of stuff. For our podcast recording and editing, we use a website called Alitu, A-L-I-T-U. So they were having a kind of like a contest, I guess, or they had reached out to people who use their website, asked them to submit some info about their podcast, and then they would feature them on the Alitu website. And so we were actually fortunate enough to get picked by the people at Alitu to get uh, featured on their website. And we also had an interview with somebody from their team. We're so awesome. Yeah, she was super sweet. Uh, She's in Scotland. It is so weird how the stars align. How Once you start putting something out in the universe, it Mm -hmm. keeps repeating. I agree. Super weird. Uh, She was super sweet. So we did a whole interview with Alitu. We talked to her for like 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then they did a very short interview, written interview with us on their website. So if you follow us on Instagram, I did a post about it saying, you know, that we had an interview and where you could go to read it. So you could also look up hashtag made with Alitu. And they have a bunch of people, podcasts who they feature that they put on their website. It's a HTTPS Alitu.com slash made with Alitu, but there's dashes and slashes and stuff. So like I said, go to our Instagram and you can see it the proper way to get directly to ours. It was super exciting. Not only was she super nice when we were done talking about our podcast, she said she's also an avid reader of paranormal romance and is going to start listening to us. Oh, that was Right. That was cool. So hopefully she does listen if she does. Yeah. It's funny how readers, we're like a special breed of people, right? Because once you find out somebody else likes to read, you're like, oh my God. And then you always have something to talk about. Even if you don't necessarily read the same trope or genre, you probably have one or two books or something that would overlap. So you could always talk to them. Readers are my favorite kind of people. Yeah. And she made me feel super, I was very nervous. She made me feel very comfortable. Maybe a little too comfortable, right, Rachel? Possibly, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Queen of the overshare? How could you ever? (laughs) Stop it. But she was fine. She was fine with me. Thank God. Okay. So tell me quickly what you're reading right now. Uh, I am reading uh, the book for our next podcast. I'm reading that book. I'm also just... oh. I had to read The Orc Bride because Trev had said during our podcast that she liked it. So I'll talk to you offline about that. And then also I am reading right now Son of the Cursed Bear by um, T.S. Joyce. So yeah, I'm reading a couple different things, but I'm also, I'm doing too much. I feel like I'm manic in my need to try creative things and it's just having time to finally do what I enjoy is so awesome Mm so I'm making different dolls I bought yarn because I want to make different crochet things I found a sock monkey book of crochet that I'm gonna try to see if I can crochet this different type of sock monkey okay Uh, so I'm busy must do all the crafts 
Must do. Tomorrow I'm supposed to go over to Emma's house and help her plant a little, some seeds that I picked up for her. She was telling people at the, at our crochet group, she's like, yeah, Kara is now my gardener. Oh, geez. <laughs> You'd love that. She only has a little tiny area. Because okay. She lives, she lives in an in-laws quarters with her husband. But, and what are your plans for today besides picking up the kids or what are you reading? Are you reading anything else? I'm reading right now the book for the podcast that we talked about, Wolf of the Sands. Okay. But once I finish that, I do want to read this book from an author that I like that actually came out this month. Oh. The book is Survive the Cursed by Ashton Abbott. Mm-hmm. She actually has two different books coming out this month. So she had reached out to me because I used to read for her when she kind of got started. Oh, and she asked me if I would read it. And so I told her I would. So I'm going to read that. And then I just have so many books downloaded that I don't really have time to read. Yeah. Tonight, we're going to a soccer game. The local soccer team has opening night tonight. Exciting. So we're going to do that. And then tomorrow is going to suck because tonight is daylight savings time so we spring forward Uh, i'm glad you told me because i didn't even realize it's also the perfect storm because both of my kids have volleyball tournaments tomorrow and my oldest has to be there at 6 45 in the morning which without daylight savings time would be 5 45 in the morning so tomorrow's going to be a very long day it's okay i mean so we're just doing a lot of sports this weekend soccer tonight two volleyball tournaments tomorrow that's it one of these days, I will come over and go through the stuff in your garage that I gave you. And I will also come over one day and we'll do the game thing. Yes, maybe next weekend because I won't have, I don't think I have anything going on next weekend. At least I freaking hope not because I'm already <laughs> tired from this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm tired just hearing about it. Yeah. All right, honey. All right. Well, I'm glad that we read that book. I'm glad it was a good read and um, give my love to those adorable grandchildren. I will. And you're Now go to the grocery store. I'm going right now. Jeez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, honey. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books Podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media. Thank you.